Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Good people, welcome. By the way, I don't want to discriminate bad people. Welcome to our show as well. Anyone who want to learn more about job satisfaction, how you can find a dream job, and we can touch many topics that uh, people often ask me, and uh, we know that 70% of people are unhappy with their jobs. So let's fix it today. Uh, I'm so excited to have an awesome guest, Dr. Benjamin Ritter. How are you? Doing wonderful. I like how you're very inclusive. Good people, bad people, maybe people that aren't <laughs> sure if they're good or bad. I think if we go to the superheroes, villains, sidekicks, this is for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't want to divide people bad or good. Uh, I think everyone has own opinion. That's okay. You know. Before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us this very important topic. Yeah, so right now, I work in the field of organizational leadership and talent development. So I, it's basically I work with senior leaders to help them own their own careers, create a career they can love. That means fixing where they're at or getting to where they want to go. And then I also work with organizations to help them become places that people can do that at, right? Hopefully I can work myself out of a job because we have a world of work that just is for other people, helping them live more for themselves. You know, I got into this business. I started as a coach first and then kind of evolved into talent and organizational leadership because I was really unhappy at my job. I was walking in each and every single day to work and was kind of just dreading it. I was going to work not to work. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I would skip out at my lunchtime to go work out at the gym for two hours. I would walk around the block for a bit. I would browse the internet when I was supposed to be working. But I was actually also really good at my job. And so I was promoted. I was put on the executive team, but I was barely working. I was completely disengaged. And that kind of like raised some alarm bells for me where okay, so you have these organizations that have these expectations for the people that work there and people are able to succeed in them while they're disengaged, while they're draining resources from the organization, uh, while the organization itself could be actually getting a lot more from them if they knew how to lead them. And then for myself personally, I was wasting time. I was ruining my career. I was, that negativity was draining my personal relationships. And so I was like, this, this can't happen. So how do we fix it? Yeah, awesome, awesome. Love it. Uh, you know, yeah, you asked me uh, if I had the same issue. I had. Yeah, when I started my career, I had the same issue because everyone told me I need to build my career in bank. Um, so I decided to start doing this, but uh, uh, I was miserable. You know, I didn't like it. So that was not for me, but uh, my parents, uh, many others thought, so you need to do it, just do, because it's very important. But uh, um, uh, after quit, uh, I quit because yeah, I felt miserable. I launched my uh, first business and then I got satisfaction. Yeah, that was a good time. Uh, and uh, the second time I had the same feeling when i created uh, uh, my third business uh, for the sake of uh, chasing money i didn't love this uh, direction i just uh, uh, found one trend and uh, felt that i can uh, earn money but uh, uh, i wasted resources for three years a lot of 
money, resources, my time and got it. No way. If I don't like it, I don't need to do it because I hate it. Monday, uh, I loved uh, Friday. Right now, I love Monday because of changing this attitude. Um, can you tell uh, why 70% of people uh, are unhappy with their jobs? According to uh, some data, uh, some of them tell uh, 50%. It doesn't matter. Just a lot of people. Most people uh, are unhappy or hate their jobs. What's the problem there? Yeah, just relating to your story, by the way, and thank you for sharing. We tend to make decisions in our career that aren't really for us. So in the first one, it's because other people told you you should do this thing. So we make decisions because we think we need to do something. And the second example that you gave, um, well, you were chasing the wrong, you were chasing money, chasing something that isn't actually going to be fulfilling. So doing something that isn't aligned with what you truly care about. So a lot of times we're just very reactive in our career and don't put the amount of thought into it to really ask ourselves, is this going to make me happy? Is this going to help me build the career that I want to build? And am I, am I going to be motivated to show up to work each and every single day? Now, job satisfaction in itself is really three main things. It's the actual work that you do. So do you actually do you like the work that you're doing? And part of that is, do you feel good at the work that you're doing? Does it feel also challenging at the same time? Does it align with your values that you feel are important? Can you get behind the work? The second piece are the social relationships. Is, is your leader supportive, giving you feedback, role clarity, etc.? Do you like the people that you're working with? And the third piece is, is this something that you're passionate about? Something that actually kind of pulls at your heartstrings a little bit or you feel has meaning for the future. And so at any point in time in our work, if we're missing those things, we're not going to feel satisfied. And most of the time in our career, we, we work at a job that does, maybe lacks one of these things and that starts creating negativity. And if you've ever been negative about something, you focus on it. So you go into work instead of trying to find reasons to be happy, you kind of talk about the reasons why you're not. I mean, it's like that water cooler talk where you're just gossiping about how everything is terrible. Well, what happens when you focus on something? It grows. And so it starts this resentment spiral towards work to eventually you build up this belief system that this job isn't right for you, this organization is horrible, and your leader is unsupportive and uncaring. And so now you've built this environment. You've literally created it with your own thoughts and your own actions to make yourself unhappy. So first off, it's the, do I have the things that I need at work? But then second, it's, Am I showing up to work in a way where I feel like I can create those things? And I think we've given away our power when it comes to our own job satisfaction at work too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love this quote, live for yourself. I remember uh, another quote from Napoleon and he told uh, the main problem with many people because they uh, listen a lot to their friends, including family members. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, uh, nobody knows what is your passion. Uh, parents can't tell what is your passion. Uh, for example, um, when I was young, I loved soccer, but my parents decided that I need to be musician. I hate it, you know, uh, and today I'm not musician because uh, I, do, I, I don't like it. Uh, my son, uh, you know, I love my parents. I, I can't tell that uh, that was bad or not good it doesn't matter it happened uh, i love them so they gave me a lot more than i need but you know uh, today i listen to my son a lot more he loves soccer uh, as i did and uh, i told him okay do it spend uh, most time playing soccer uh, spend time doing this because it's your passion and uh, i know without passion it's hard to achieve results can you tell uh, 
about people who don't know about their passion because it's not only about my son my son loves soccer i know that uh, i can feel it but i uh, i still get a lot of questions about people who don't understand their passion uh, they don't know where to go what kind of job to find because they don't know how to find this passion that can lead in the right direction one of the greatest mistakes around passion is to think that we need to know what it is before we find it. When like passion can actually develop as we test things out. So if you're not sure what you care about, yes, you can reflect, you can write down the memories where you were happiest. You can do all those types of things. You can talk to people that are doing different jobs. Highly recommend doing that. But the number one thing you need to do is go try things out. So go out there, you know, shadow someone for a week, go take a job for six months. You know, if you think about this, like really our careers are pretty long. So you could work in a job for a year, switch to another job for a year, switch to another job for a year, switch to another job for a year and still have a lot left in your career and be totally fine. So passion comes also from experience, not just from reflection. So if you're really stuck, then where are you? What do you enjoy? What do you think you enjoy doing? What's interesting to you? Go talk to someone doing it. If it's more interesting, then go do it for a little bit. So I'd highly recommend that. The other mistake that people tend to make with passion is they label um, something that they care about as the only thing they care about. So for example, soccer for me. You probably don't know this about me, but I wanted to be a professional soccer player. And so pretty much for the majority of my young adult life, from when I was a kid to out of college because I played division one soccer in the United States, which is, um, it's fairly, it's a decent level. Uh, all I, all I thought about was soccer. I only watched on TV was like soccer tapes, you know, video cassette tapes. I only read soccer books. Yeah. They were soccer books. I practiced three times a day. I ate in a way like all my nutrition was for me to be faster. I worked out in the gym also in between those practices because I wanted to be stronger. And so I gave it all this energy and focus, and I gave nothing else that same attention. When in actuality, so it wasn't soccer that was the thing that I really cared about. It was the thing, it was what soccer provided for me, what it created for me, what it allowed me to do with my time and energy. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because when I lost soccer, when I realized I wasn't going pro, I lost everything I knew of who I was. And so I had to rebuild my identity from the ground up because I gave this thing that was outside of myself so much of myself. And so if you think something's your passion, do you control the outcome? So I didn't control if I was going to reach a certain level, but I did control how hard I worked. I controlled, you know, the food that I ate. I controlled the people that I spoke to. I controlled where I spent my time. And those are the things where we actually gain joy. So a passion should be something that gives you joy in the process, not the outcome. Yeah, love it. So valuable. You know, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, for me, it's more important to enjoy the process than uh, achieving some high results because uh, people, when they achieve something, uh, they, you know, they don't know what to do next. You know, okay, I achieved, uh, it's a high level. Uh, and uh, But when you enjoy the process, for example, I can play ping pong. I love playing ping pong and I'm not waiting when someone will pay money for my hobby. It's my hobby. I can spend uh, a lot of time playing ping pong. And yeah, I think it's the same. Uh, can you tell uh, what to do for someone who needs to pay bills, 
For example, 70% of people are unhappy with their jobs, but they need to pay bills, they need to feed their family. And I, I have one uh, of my friends, uh, he told me, okay, are unhappy, I don't love this job, but uh, in the end, I have family, I have these bills, I need to do it, I can't quit, and uh, the job uh, where I feel passion, uh, I can't get money today, I can't get any income, because I'm not good with that. So it takes time, you know, to build your, uh, I don't know, like, uh, to build you in a passion direction, uh, but it doesn't pay today. So uh, can you tell what to do for such people? Yeah, well, first off, if there's something that you want to go do for a living and you're not making money from it yet, start slowly, right? It's a process. Like, I'm not, you know, my business has taken six years, right, to be where it's at today. And if you look at any of these major entrepreneurs, they don't really tell you all the failures that they've had or that it took them a decade to be an overnight success. Yeah. So start now, start small. If you, like, for example, for the coaching business, Maybe you don't have a full client load, but start telling people that you're a coach because eventually you'll get one client and eventually that one client will write a review and eventually you might get two clients. And so you can do this in your free time. You can do it on the weekends, you can do it on nights, you can do it in the early mornings, you can do it on lunches. So you just start. And that's when you're building a business, the best thing to do is just start. Eventually you'll start earning income. When it comes to your job, because let's say, okay, I can't quit this job yet because I'm not earning income in places that I want to earn income. There's a there's three pillars that I mentioned that relate to if you're happy at work and you can be happy doing anything if you let yourself very like people are going to push back on that. But if you need to be happy doing something, then you can figure out how to be happy doing it. So, for example, even just your mindset's huge. So if you go into work and you tell yourself that it's terrible, it's going to be terrible. If you go into work and say this job puts food on my on the table for my family. This job allows me to actually fund this business that I'm growing. This job allows me to go to school so I can shift careers. All of a sudden, this job changes what it means to you. It becomes something important. Now, if you have a, a leader who's terrible, a manager who micromanages, etc., then a lot of times those issues actually come from us not being open with them, telling them, hey, I, I actually want you to be my guide. I want support from you. How can we make this work together? And really having conversations to help you enjoy your work more. So how can you change your work to be for it to be more enjoyable? So is there something that's really draining to you that you do on a weekly daily basis? And there are those things like there's a, a work task that you hate, you know, or there's um, a, a meeting that is terrible because of a, a person in that meeting itself. You can make these small adjustments to your job if you understand what's draining and what's energizing. So look at the actual work and ask yourself, is are there shifts that I can make? Are there conversations I can have with my leader or my peers? to be able to help improve this. And then a huge part of the work itself is who you work with or where you work. So if you want to work from home, but you're not working from home, well, can you have that conversation to work one or two days at home? Or can you have a conversation where you do some of the part of the day at home? And all this stuff, like, or, it, or if there's someone that's really draining, can you get mediation with that relationship? Or can you talk to your boss about push shifting you off a project with that person? Or if you're working with nobody and you really are energized by social relationships, how do you do your work around other people? And so all these things come from us proactively changing our job and also having conversations and communicating with our boss. Every single person that I know that has been unhappy at work can't, could have had and does have when we work together conversations with their manager about the things they dislike 
and have been able to improve those things. And if anyone's saying, I can't do that, I can't have these conversations, I'm asking you mm -hmm. why, why? And so there are things that we can do, no matter how bad the job is, to help us enjoy it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see you have some books on your background. I love reading books and you know, my loving book uh, written uh, more than 100 years ago by Jack London, uh, Martin Eden, about the guy uh, who uh, had the worst benchmark ever, but he decided to be a writer and he earned uh, this position and uh, overcame many others because of perseverance, patience uh, and working hard. So he uh, he worked hard on other jobs that he didn't like, but he, uh, uh, I think, perseverance and patience. Can you tell about another aspect that I often see, uh, building high expectations? I see, you know, when you started something new, you can feel, okay, I can achieve for a month or uh, for, for a few weeks, uh, uh, high results but in most cases it takes years you know of working hard uh, because uh, uh, in the beginning it's hard to uh, overcome your competitors uh, someone who is smarter than you in the beginning because you need to gain experience and uh, as you mentioned about failures i think failures is the part uh, it's like the part of the process without failing nobody knows what actually works and uh, uh, i think when you start something new you need to fail that's okay you know to fail because for, uh, it's hard for me to count how many times i failed a lot uh, i keep doing this uh, because i know without failures uh, i don't know what actually works uh, i can get uh, generic information uh, uh, about something then when uh, i implement i understand many fails many errors but uh, how i can uh, get uh, what actually works without doing these mistakes uh, can you tell about building high expectations how to set up the right expectation that it takes time uh, to achieve high results to be patient and persevering during the way yeah, really great question. And there's a lot of gold in what you said. So feel free to bring me back on track if I miss something. It always takes longer to accomplish something than we think, but it will take longer if we don't start. And yeah. when it comes to actually achieving something, the best thing you can you can do is take a step forward. And you can almost imagine it like the first the first part of doing something, you're pushing this big boulder up the hill, but eventually you're going to reach the top and you're going to gain momentum and it's going to go down and it's going to be a lot easier. But it's those initial initial kind of pieces that you need to do that are going to be the most effort. And a lot of times that effort is just getting out of your own way and starting. We tend to want things to happen quicker because we see other people that have already accomplished them. And so this, this idea of comparing ourselves to others is we tend to compare ourselves to the wrong thing. So I say a lot of self-doubt when we want to do something new comes from we see the people at the mountaintop. We see them have or that already have achieved what we want to achieve. And then we look down and we see this huge gap between us and them. And that gap are actually all the little steps you need to take to get to the top of the mountaintop. And so what we need to do is stop comparing ourselves to the people at the top that have already put in the work and the effort 
and that they already have failed multiple times and actually compare ourselves to people that haven't started yet. And so setting the right expectations is actually understanding where you're at in the process and then identifying what the steps are in that process. So breaking down whatever you need to do to get to that mountaintop. It may take 20 years, but then, so write that down, identify it, break it, those 20 years down into, into yearly goals, monthly goals, weekly goals, daily goals. Because if you can actually believe that what you are doing is going to get you to the mountaintop, then you'll be okay. But if you forget and start comparing yourself, like for example, as a, as a, you know, by the way, first off, comparing yourself doesn't matter because there's so many, like in coaching, there's so many clients in the world that no one person is going to take all the clients. Like the same thing with the business. You know, there's, there's two fast food joints across the street from each other because they know there's more than enough people that are hungry. So like this idea of having to even compare ourselves to others is kind of ridiculous. But if we catch ourselves doing it, just kind of do a double check and say, where am I in my journey? And who should I be comparing myself to? And really that should be yourself. But <laughs> um, yeah, understanding that path is really important. Yeah, I think without belief, you don't need to do it. So if you don't believe that you can achieve high results, don't do it, even if you don't achieve them. You know, it's like, you know, uh, I love the example, uh, two boxers, you know, uh, when they fight, uh, all of them believe 100% of their wins. Some of them will lose, but if you don't believe, you will lose even uh, early before the fight. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Okay, you can fail. I believe you can fail, but you can learn, improve, and go ahead. So yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, it's, it's like with mm -hmm. getting a job and people that are applying for new jobs. The, I mean, you can't you can't get a job if you don't apply for it. And all, yeah. you know, so many people will read the description and the title and they, oh, I don't have 15 years of experience. I only have 10. Apply for the job. Just apply for it because you're taking mm -hmm. yourself out of the fight right before you even get into it. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about a uh, boring job. Uh, I remember uh, I, I had conversation with Jim Edwards. Uh, he worked in Business Insider over 10 years. Uh, they started from scratch and sold company like for 500 million dollars thousand employees around the world and he shared about uh, uh, their success depends on creating content uh, non-boring content in boring niche so uh, that's why they got these results uh, and i i see in jobs we need to do something boring uh not interested but i remember once i read interested insights from uh dale carnegie he shared on his books uh, many years ago that you need to create competition with yourself you know so uh, for example if you do something boring uh, okay compete with yourself that you can increase results you can do can you tell about other aspects how to enjoy the process when you do something boring in your job yeah part of job satisfaction is feeling challenged so if you it's also feeling good at your job but if you feel too good at your job and you don't feel like you're developing you're going to start feeling stuck and I love what you said, you know, create self challenges. So how can you compete with yourself on a daily basis? Or how do you how do you like to have fun? Is it even something as simple as listening to music? Or is it working with a friend? It, it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot to figure out how to have a little bit more fun. And that can be also just asking yourself, what don't I know about what I'm doing that I can go learn or go figure out or go test myself doing. And if it is a very like, 
very like, you know, taking a can off a shelf and putting it in a card, taking the can off a shelf and putting it in the card. Can you, I mean, learn a language while you're working? Can you listen to this podcast while you're working? You know, there, there are other things that you can do while you work that aren't also work that help you find more enjoyment from what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Let's talk about, uh, companies. Um, I have some audience, uh, business owners and, uh, let's help them. Uh, can you tell how to encourage, uh, staff employees, uh, to be more productive, to improve the quality of products, uh, and to enjoy, uh, working on some companies. Uh, so many insights about that. Yeah. Everything that we've been talking about today. You know, are you having those conversations with them? It really is about communication. People, you need to figure out how people work, how they like to work, what they need to work, who they like working with. And so most of the time leaders say, I'm too busy working on, you know, in the business to be able to actually have these conversations. Well, a leader, your actual job is having these conversations with the people that work for you. So you have to understand what each what each of your employees needs. Uh, very often they don't feel comfortable coming to you and telling you. You may you may not you may think that they're going to tell you if they're missing a, you know a tool or tell you if they need more light. And they're not going to because they're going to be worried about their job or they're going to think you're not going to care. And so you need to go on the floor to shadow them if you can and meet with them on a weekly basis and have conversations around how can I support you more as your leader? What resources do you need to do your job? What issues are you struggling with? And it does sound so simple, but it's the, it's the number one thing that people don't do because, oh, I don't have time. I'm too busy. They don't need anything. I talk to them all the time on a daily basis. It's not the same as private conversations with your employees around who they are and also what they, what they need to do their job more. I'd even mm -hmm. say, go do the job with them. Yeah, it's like go see what how they're what they're experiencing on a daily basis and then use that information to help improve their work for them and help them craft their own jobs so they can be happier. Uh, let's talk about another aspect. Uh, let me share my story. You know, uh, a few years ago, um, I worked a lot with uh, one big project and um, I lost attention uh, what what's going on in my company and uh, toxic environment appealed between some people. Uh, so, uh, and after that, uh, good players of my team left the company because of this toxic environment. Uh, so that was a terrible mistake. Uh, I've learned from that, uh, that uh, it's, uh, you need to pay attention to your people. Uh, you need to serve them, to help them. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, after that, we fixed a lot. Uh, but uh, can you tell about toxic environment? Uh, it's often issue in many companies when it appeals, it can discourage people because uh, we have different cultures, habits, uh, mood. So uh, how to uh, improve uh, environment uh, to create positive environment if you have such issue or even if, if you have know them, but uh, you want to, uh, I don't know, like to create positive environment. Yeah, so it depends what's going on with the toxic environment, but I guess from a very high level, silence is deadly. So if something is wrong and you're not calling it out as the leader, other people are thinking that that behavior is okay, as, as well as you know, 
they're thinking that you're not really trustworthy, you're not reliable, and you're not even worthwhile to even follow. So if there's an issue, you got to call out the elephants in the room. If it's a person, don't matter how good they are, how great they are for the business, you got to get rid of them or you got to meet with them and have conversations with them. It doesn't matter what it is. If something is toxic and you're letting it, you're letting it fester, it's going to grow and it's going to infect the entire organization and people are just going to leave or they're not going to work. And so either, either way you're, you've lost. So you need to, you need to face it head on in terms of a positive environment. One of the best things we can do, and so often it's overlooked, is positive feedback. So a lot of research shows that positive feedback is, I think, 20 or 30 times more effective than not giving any feedback. It's even more effective than constructive feedback, so kind of negative and critical feedback. That's something as simple as if you see something that was really great, tell someone that it was really great and be specific about it. That little bit, that positive recognition, can create a really positive working environment. There's a bunch of other things we can get into on how to create a positive work culture and build trust and such. But I think that would be probably with our time, that'd be the number one thing I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I want to read something from your LinkedIn profile. Uh, overall, I coach senior leaders uh, that tend to be overworked, overwhelmed, uh, or underutilized and lack clarity, confidence, control over their careers. Can you tell more about this over that you mentioned a few times? Over uh, worked, overwhelmed. How to avoid this feeling? Because I know that you know many people uh, can be tired, and uh, one thing what they can do, keep doing, uh, come home and watch TV six hours. They can watch TV uh, according to the average data six hours. It's a lot. No, so but they can do something. Uh, different so uh, it's like I, I remember I don't remember exactly the offer but he mentioned um, uh, interesting example for example if you uh, feel tiredness after your job uh, but when you uh, get home and your friends call you okay let's go to disco or any other place and you can spend the whole night you know uh, on this place but you you was uh, you know you were tired a lot can you tell about uh, overworked, overwhelmed. How to avoid this feeling? And probably uh, the main problem is not of overwhelming because probably something else can impact to that. Yeah, we tend to get overwhelmed and overworked because we either are afraid. So we're afraid of, for losing our job, afraid of what people think about us. So we mm -hmm. go past our limits on what we can and can't work. Um, it also could be because we're really competitive and think we have to work a certain way to be successful. But overall, like burnout, so really over, overworked and overwhelmed, comes from when we are constantly drained. Like it's okay if you're tired from work because if it's challenging, if it takes your focus and your energy, that, that can make you tired. But it's different if you are overwhelmed if you're anxious about your work, if you're fear, fearful of your work, and if you're constantly, constantly drained, because that prolonged negative feeling and experience can lead you to burnout. It can drain your batteries so much that you're at a point where you can't even recharge. And that means that no matter what you think about your work, no matter how much you care about it and how interested you are, all of a sudden your work's going to lose meaning you're going to burn out. And so the only way to really recharge from that is actually to probably take some time off. But so mm -hmm. we get like this because again, 
we are afraid of sharing, right? That we have limits, that we have boundaries, and we lack the awareness of if this continues, then one, it's completely unhealthy. But if this continues, I'm not even going to want to be here anymore. And what we need to do for ourselves is really take a hard look at some of these fears and take a hard look at why we feel that we need to do this. Whenever I first start talking to someone about feeling overworked, you go, well, just stop working, right? Why do you have to work so much? Why do you have to reply to that email at 8 p.m.? Why did you take on more projects than you can handle? And it's they, they keep all this bundled up inside them instead of actually being honest and living for themselves at work on what they are able to accomplish. And so we can talk about where that fear comes from and such. But if you're feeling this way, I explore these fears that you have around work and why in the beliefs that you have around why you have to work so hard, why you have to work so much. And first, prioritize what do you need to do at work? Actually, what do you need to do at home? And then what are you doing that falls outside of that spectrum? And if you don't even know what you need to be doing, have those conversations with your boss for role clarity. And you'll find that you're probably spending your time doing things that you don't actually need to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Uh, I have the question about uh, hiring. Let's help uh, business owners. Because um, according to a few... Uh, Can I say one more thing about burnout, by the way? Because I think it's really important. Yeah, yeah, one sure. More thing. Go ahead, yeah. So working with a client before who was very overworked. And I asked her, I said, what would happen if you just stopped working? Mm-hmm. Just like literally stopped working, stopped replying to emails, stopped handing in assignments, maybe show up to meetings, maybe show up to meetings. I said, how long could you probably keep your job? She's like, uh, probably half a year, six months, maybe more. I go, so what are you so worried about? So let's <laughs> figure out what you can and can't do and start saying no to things that don't fall within the number one priority of things you need to accomplish and start having conversations with your boss boss to help you prioritize. And it's just, it was kind of like this mind altering perspective of, and I ask all your audience members, if you're feeling overworked and overwhelmed, what would happen if you just stopped? And then do this exercise for the different pieces of your work. What would happen if you just stopped this project? You know, and you'll, you'll probably find that you would be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, I don't know. For me, it's not a good decision. It's my attitude, of course. I mean, like, if you stop, uh, it's better to slow down. You know, for example, if you feel overwhelming, uh, it's better just to slow down to, but keep doing because it's like consistency. You can, uh, yeah. Uh, I yeah. Usually, if I have, well, if, yeah. if I have like eight projects, what I mean is, okay, three of them are probably really important. Yeah. You can you can pause the five of those until you really get done really well with those three. Maybe you can delegate them. Maybe they're not important anymore. We take on too much. We think we can do too much. We say yes to people because we're worried about our social relationships and we say yes to our boss because we're worried about our job. And so that's what I mean when you're working in a company. If you're working for yourself, a lot of times too, probably 80% of your outcomes, your achievements are going to come from 20% of your efforts. This is a very, this, this, this stat applies to a lot of things in our life. And I mean, I've even, even myself, I start things. Does it get what I need to get? No, cut it out. I think we also keep things going for too long because we think we need to keep them going when they're not actually, there's no, there's no ROI. There's no, um, I'm not earning income from it. I'm not building relationships from it, building community. So we think we have to do these 20 things to launch a business 
like successfully. Like I need an Instagram, I need a TikTok, I need a LinkedIn, I need a podcast, I need to write these blogs. When okay, so where did you get clients? Your clients from your Instagram? No, cut it out. Your clients from your TikTok? No, cut it out. You get paid for that blogging? No, cut it out. And so too often we just keep things because we think we need to keep them. I just want to make sure to throw it out there. Yeah, uh, you, you remind me my mistakes. You know, when uh, in 2020 I decided to grow all my social media, and that was a big mistake because uh, I was trying to cover Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn. TikTok, <laughs> many other social media platforms, including Reddit, Quora. Uh, and when you have limited resources, as I have two hands, you know, that's it. Uh, and uh, yeah, the best result that I got like five followers a day, a few hundred views. Then I switch all my attention to LinkedIn. Uh, and uh, after that, the results grew to 200 followers a day, uh, 10,000 views. And because of uh, paying attention to a specific uh, social media, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, and I know many people share an example with Gary Vee. But you know, Gary Vee has a team. He started on Twitter. He started to tweet uh, from 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. Uh, seven years, so he didn't touch many other social media. He started on Twitter, then he grew on uh, YouTube, uh, Facebook. Uh, when you have resources, if you have no resources, yeah, I agree. Focusing is key. Yeah, most uh, I love most famous people on social media. It's not them. They're not the ones posting. Yeah. They have a team. They've hired them, and maybe they film some content. They've like spend a whole day, maybe a Saturday, filming a bunch of content, running around, you know. And it's like or filming something and sending it to their social media person. It's like, again this idea of who we're comparing ourselves to. It's it's really funny. Like that person that's writing those long posts on LinkedIn or those newsletters. It's not the person. It's literally mm -hmm. someone that they're paying. Yeah, uh, and uh, once I got in, an invitation. Uh, to share my skills about video design. I, I replied to them, I know nothing about that. <laughs> I have a team of designers who can handle the process to create this awesome design, but it's not me, it's my team. So I, if you need, I can tell them <laughs> to take part <laughs> on this invitation, but not me. Yeah, agree. And uh, I have the final question about helping uh, business owners uh, because uh, Uh, companies still have uh, bad decisions uh, by hiring and uh, uh, it's like 70% or 60%, I don't remember exactly, it's, uh, most uh, hiring are bad, not good, uh, they are not satisfied with that. Can you tell them uh, how to find employees uh, who wanna work, who uh, will provide results, any tips about that? Yeah, so... This would be a whole nother episode. So just some top yeah. tips would be, you know, hire slow, fire fast. You know, I've heard that before. It's very true. Yeah. We are way too fast to hire way too fast. And I'm not saying take someone through 12 interviews because that's just not respectful of their time, but interview in a way that's going to help you understand their values as a person, their emotional awareness and how they are in relationships, as well as the job skills. So if, for example, if they're going to be picking stuff off the shelves and putting them in a cart, have them pick up things off a shelf and put them in a cart for part of the interview. If they're going to be using PowerPoint and Excel, 
have a project that uses PowerPoint and Excel. Do things that help you understand if they're good at their job. Now, when it comes to the actual personality and their emotional awareness and such, craft questions, ask real questions and ask them for examples. You can even get this ahead of time that explore those, those bits of information. So tell me of a time that you, you know, handled conflict. And then honestly, maybe create a situation that has a little conflict in it during the interview. Disagree with something that they've said. See how they react to it. And you can you really need to assess for their values and, um, and emotional abilities in terms of managing relationships and sustaining them and how they're going to show up and what they care about. And so spend the time creating really good questions, working with your interview panel team. If you have an interview panel, and I highly suggest you have varied people interview them. So a peer, a boss, a skip level boss, a cross-functional person, and really take the time to try to understand who they are as a human, who they are as work and their actual job skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. Love it. Love it. Uh, Benjamin, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. You share a lot of valuable insights. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yeah, so check out my LinkedIn profile, Dr. Benjamin Ritter. Send me a little request and say that you heard me here. Happy to have a conversation. You can also get to my main website there, liveforyourselfconsulting.com. Get access to my two different podcasts, my YouTube channel, some other content and such, upcoming events. And there's also a newsletter there. If you sign up for, I'll send you updates of everything pretty much on a bi-monthly basis. So that's LinkedIn, Dr. Benjamin Ritter, and liveforyourselfconsulting.com. Uh, guys, I'm going to follow Dr. Benjamin because of this name, Live for Yourself. You know, I love it. I completely agree with that. It's the first reason. And the second, because of this value, you can see a lot of valuable insights. Guys, you need to do it. Follow Dr. Benjamin. Later, you can learn a lot. You can find all the links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.